If you would, open with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 uh, is where I'm hoping to land the plane today. We're going to look at some other passages before we get to Galatians 5, but uh, those other passages will be on the screen. Uh, but we're going to hopefully end up in, in Galatians chapter 5. This morning I want to talk to you on the subject of freedom and liberty. Freedom and liberty. You know, today is Independence Day, the day that we celebrate uh, when uh, our founders uh, wrote and signed and finally published the Declaration of Independence. And I want to talk to us about the concept, the ideas of freedom and liberty. You know, there, there was an important statement in that document uh, that is true because it, it reflects the Word of God. And when something is, lines up with the Word of God, it is true. God's Word is truth. And so when something lines up with the Word of God, it is also true. And there's this important statement from the Declaration of Independence that says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Something that is so profound to me from this statement that is really at the core of who America was supposed to be as a nation is this idea of the Creator. The very founding of our nation, the, the very first document that was published was founded on the idea that there is a God in heaven who is the creator of all things and that specifically he has created mankind in his image and bestowed humanity with, with certain rights. You know, it's, he uses that terminology, unalienable rights. What that means is rights that God has given that no one can take away. That no one can take away. We live in a world today in our, in our culture that, that truly rejects the idea of God as the creator. We, we live in a world that does not submit to God as the creator. We live in a world that, that indoctrinates our students, our, our young people, brainwashes them with a demonic ideology that says there is no creator that there is no God, that all of existence came into being by some cosmic accident where nothing exploded. And from that great explosion of nothing came everything. It, it defies logic. It defies the, the natural law. It defies all reason. Yet we teach and indoctrinate our young people in this country that there is no God. Where, where does that idea come from? It comes straight from Satan. Straight from Satan. The founders of our nation understood that there was a creator and that he is the one that we are all ultimately accountable to. So I want to talk to you today about the concepts of freedom and liberty because it says one of our rights is life and liberty in the pursuit of happiness so let's talk about liberty today. Let's talk about freedom today. Father, we ask that you would help us today as we examine these great truths. Lord, the reason why they are true is not because experience bears them out to be true. The reason that they are true is not because we want them to be true. The reason that, that freedom and liberty have been be, bestowed to us and that we believe that that is true is, is not because our founders wrote it down on a piece of paper a long time ago. Lord, the reason these things are true is because your word declares that they are true. Lord, help us as your people, your children, your saints, to have our minds and our souls and our hearts shaped, not by the culture, not even by our history, but shaped solely by your word. 
which is the ultimate standard of truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. A couple ideas I'm going to share with you today. The first is this. Freedom is a God idea. Freedom is not just a good idea. Freedom is a God idea. The whole idea of freedom and liberty, it comes from God. Freedom and liberty didn't come from the signers of the Declaration of Independence. They didn't invent that when they got together and signed that document. That is not where freedom and liberty come from. Freedom and liberty come from God. They wrote in the document that they observed that that is true, that it is self-evident, that that is the way that God has created the world. Freedom did not, the idea of freedom, the idea of liberty did not originate with man, it originated with God. And so because it is a God idea, not just a good idea, because freedom and liberty ultimately come from God, freedom and liberty is a good thing. I want to prove to you from the scriptures that freedom and liberty is from God. We're going to look at three examples today. We're going to go through these quickly. I'm not going to teach on these scriptures. I'm just laying them for you as a foundation of the idea that freedom is a God idea. The first place that we see this, of course, is in the book of Genesis at the very beginning in creation. God gave Adam and Eve freedom. Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 it says, the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for, fruit, for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden. You could translate that. You are free to eat of every tree in the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. God bestowed upon humanity, created in his image, dominion gave Adam and Eve the, the task of having dominion over the earth, and he gave them the freedom to live that out. He gave them the freedom to, to choose. He gave them the freedom. He said, I, I give you every tree that is good for food. I have placed it in the garden. He gave humanity freedom and liberty because freedom is a God idea. The second example I want to show to you is from the book of Exodus. Fast forward some 2,000 years and uh, God's people have gotten themselves into bondage in Egypt. They are enslaved. They are under a harsh taskmaster, Pharaoh, who is abusing the, the people of God and, and oppressing them, even to the point where he is murdering their own babies. And so God's people, the people of Israel, they cry out to God. And for some 400 years, they are oppressed and enslaved in Egypt. And God calls a man named Moses to go and to what? Set them free. To deliver his people. To bring them out of bondage and slavery. And to bring them into freedom and liberty. We see this in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord God, this is God speaking to Moses from the burning bush. The Lord God said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
This great deliverance that God worked for His people. Again, His people in bondage. His people in slavery. His people oppressed by a wicked tyrant. God rises up to set His people free. God is for freedom. God is for liberty. God even sets His people free. Once uh, the, the, the children of Israel were to make it into the promised land, after God delivered them through, through ten mighty miracles, ten plagues that he poured out on the land of Egypt and, and brought them through the Red Sea, parting it, they, they came across on dry land. The, the sea fell in on Pharaoh's army behind them. Never again for Israel to return to Egypt. Forever they were set free from the bonds of Egypt. After they were to make it into the promised land, God gave them this law that was to remind them of the freedom that they have. And it was that every 50th year, Exodus 25.10, it tells them, God gave them this law. He said, you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all of its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. When each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. God set up for the children of Israel when they moved into the promised land this idea of jubilee. This 50th year where all the slaves would go free. Where all of the property would go back to its original owner. Where every debt would be canceled. Every 50th year, there was this proclamation of freedom and liberty that went out through the land. And in fact, this is the very verse, Leviticus 25.10, that is written on the Liberty Bell. Engraved in, enshrined in the Liberty Bell is this verse to proclaim freedom throughout the land to all of its inhabitants. Freedom is a God idea. Of course, the deliverance of of God's people from slavery in Egypt, Him bringing them across the Red Sea, Him delivering them into the promised land. The, The book of Hebrews tells us that all of that God was doing in that was a foreshadowing. It was a picture of the greater freedom that we would have through the work of Jesus Christ. That, that, that the, the bondage that they had in Egypt was a picture of the bondage that all of humanity is in because of sin. The bondage of sin, the bondage of slavery to Satan. That we are set free through a mighty act of deliverance from God as Jesus Christ paid the price for sin, died on the cross to save sinners rose again on the third day to give new life to all who would believe in him. Just as he brought, Egypt, uh, brought Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea, so Christ has delivered us out of the world and brought us through the waters of baptism. It's a picture of baptism. The Red Sea is a picture of baptism where we say and we declare that we are dead to the world, that we're not going back anymore that we are now alive unto God and that now we are free from the shackles of sin and we are free to live for God. Jesus came to set us free. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. John 8.32, Jesus says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8.36, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Ephesians 4.8 says that when Jesus ascended on high, ascended to the right hand of the Father, that He led captivity captive. The concept of bondage, Jesus has bound. That kind of blows your mind, doesn't it? Jesus put captivity in jail, truly setting us free. And of course, Luke 4, uh, 16 and 19, 16 to 19, Jesus, when he came into the synagogue 
on, uh, in Nazareth on that Sabbath day. It says, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given him. Now he could have unrolled that scroll and gone to any place that he wanted. But he unrolled the scroll and he went to the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And it says that Jesus, upon reading that verse, said, today this is fulfilled in your midst. Saying, I am the one who has come to proclaim liberty. I am the one who has come to set the captives free. And how did Jesus do it? By leading a political revolution? No. That's what his followers wanted him to do. In John chapter 6, we see Jesus had a great multitude of people following him. Thousands upon thousands of people. Jesus fed them in the wilderness, fishes and loaves. It says at that moment they wanted to take him and make him king. Why not? Man, if this guy can multiply food to everyone, that means there won't be taxes anymore. We won't even have to work. We'll just, we'll just go to the Jesus buffet every day. Let's make this guy king. Jesus essentially says, I didn't come to lead a political revolution. I, I came to set all of humanity free from what truly plagues humanity. Not the oppression of political systems, but the oppression of dev the devil himself. The oppression of the devil himself. And so the truth is, all of us who are in Christ, we are the ones who are truly free. Amen. We are the ones who are truly free. So I hope that I've convinced you with that brief, looking at those three brief passages, that freedom and liberty are God's idea. Do you see that? Do you agree with me on that? Can we move on today? Okay, good. Freedom and liberty, God ideas. Now the question arises, what is freedom? The question arises, well, what is liberty? How do we know if we are free? How do we know what it is? How do we know if we're walking in freedom? How do we define freedom and liberty? Well, if freedom and liberty are God's ideas, there's only one way to define freedom and liberty. It's not, again, by looking at culture. It's not by looking at tradition. It's not even by looking at Webster's Dictionary. If we're going to truly understand what freedom is, if it is a God idea, where do we turn? The Word of God. We must turn to the Word of God. So let, let's look at these three examples again. Let's look at Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam and Eve in the garden. God created humanity in His image. That means that humanity has dignity, value, and worth. That every human life matters. That every human life is valuable. That every human life, again, has rights. The right to life. The right to life is a huge part of being created in the image of God. And in the garden, God gives Adam and Eve instructions. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion, exercise dominion. The, the, I'm giving you, Adam, authority over the earth, to rule over the earth, to exercise dominion over the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. That's a, a lot of multiplying to fill the earth. Amen. God's desire for the earth was to be filled with his image bearers who live under his rule and his authority. 
who exercise the dominion that He has given us to show forth the image of God, the creativity that He's placed in us, the ingenuity that He's placed in us to subdue the earth. And I know some of you ladies think, oh my gosh, that is a lot of multiplying. But you have to remember that this was before the fall, that pain in childbirth came after the fall. Before the fall, there was no pain in bearing children. Women were to give birth without having any pain. How amazing would that have been? I mean, I'd have a hundred kids right now if, well, not a hundred, but a, a lot. I mean, we'd have a lot more kids if there was no pain in childbirth. Right? I would, th I would think so. Anyway. So, the point, let's get back to the point. The point is that Adam and Eve were then given instructions by God. You can eat of all of these trees, don't eat of this tree. Let's go to, let's go to come, the, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. They come out of Egypt. God set them free from bondage. Leading them into the promised land. But he doesn't take them straight to the promised land. They have an important stop to make. Where do they stop on the way to the promised land? Mount Sinai. What did they receive from God at Mount Sinai? God's law. Before they can move into the promised land and live in freedom, they first had to stop and receive God's law, God's commandments, the way to live. Again, now under Christ, under Christ. Galatians 5.13, we looked at Galatians 5.1 that says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Looking a little bit lower down in Galatians, Galatians 5.13, he says, for you brothers were called to freedom, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, rather serve one another. What I'm trying to draw out from you in all of these examples in the garden, in the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, stopping at Mount Sinai before they move into the promised land, and now us who have freedom in Christ, freedom is not the absence of law. Do, do you see this? Do, do you see that, that Adam and Eve were free in the garden, yet they still had God's law. The children of Israel, God set them free. But he led them by Mount Sinai to give them his law. Now we who are in Christ, who have been set free, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Rather serve one another in love. So the question is, what is freedom? Here, according to the Word of God, here is what true freedom is. It is not the absence of law, but true freedom is living under God's law. That is freedom. Freedom is no longer being bound by Satan, but now being set free to live under God's rule, live under God's authority. Because when you serve God, you are truly free. When you serve God, you are free to flourish, to grow, to live out your God-given purpose. When you are bound in darkness, when you are bound by Satan, when you are bound in sin, you are not free to live out your God-given purpose. You are trapped, you are bound, you are held captive by the power of the enemy. True freedom is the ability and the blessing to live under God's rule and authority. And true freedom, biblically defined, produces human flourishing. Living under God's law produces flourishing for humanity. Now, I know some of you are struggling with this right now, this idea that freedom means living under God's law. 
You're struggling with this because you're thinking, doesn't freedom mean I'm free to do whatever and live however I want and do whatever I want? You see, that is actually the great lie. The reason you're struggling with this is because this is the lie that every human being is born believing. This is the lie that, uh, that Satan sold to Eve in the garden. Let's go look at that quickly. Uh, Genesis chapter 3 today. The great lie, the first lie. God, again, gave freedom to Adam and Eve, gave freedom to humanity. This lie that true freedom is living outside of God's rule and authority, this lie came from Satan. It is the first lie. It is the original lie. It is the lie that all humanity believes and is born believing because we're all born into sin. Genesis 3.1, now the serpent, Satan, Revelation 12.9, Revelation 22, uh, 20, uh, verse 2 tells us that the serpent is Satan, came disguised, was more crafty than the other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? See here, Satan is casting doubts in Eve's mind about the goodness of God. Because he's trying to make her think that if God puts any restraints on you, that it means that God is not good. It, God is, that, that you are not free if there are restraints upon you and upon your heart. If there are any rules and, and order, then you are not free. That is what Satan is trying to convince Eve of. So he comes and he says, did God really say you can't eat of any of these trees? Look at these apple trees. Look at, look at these oranges. Look at these bananas. Wow, I mean, what kind of God is God that he wouldn't allow you to eat of any of these? The woman said to the serpent, actually, we can eat of any of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. That's the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. There's the lie. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise... She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. The eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. He says, if you disobey God, you will be like God. He's saying, you're not free. You're not free because you're living under God's rule and authority. To, to truly be free you must cast off the restraints that God has placed upon you. You must determine good and evil for yourself. Be like God. And then you will be free. You see, this is the great lie that Satan sold to, to Eve. This is the great lie that Adam went along with. This is the great lie that all of humanity today believes. And it is a lie. It is a lie. True freedom is not found in disobeying God's laws. True freedom is living under God's rule and authority. Amen. How do we know this? Well, again, th this is what the word of God espouses. But, but look at human history. Lawlessness, right? The, the freedom of laws. No laws. Do what thou wilt. Whatever you want to do, do it. Follow your heart. No restraints. No restrictions. Does lawlessness produce human flourishing? No, it does not. Over the last year, we've seen the, the lawless heart of man pour out into the streets of our country. We've seen... Trying to think of how to say this that will get me in the least amount of trouble. We've seen 
people deceived, people, uh, people in our country in places of leadership deceived by this lie that the idea of restraints is, is an encroachment on freedom. And so they've pulled back the, the things in our society to restrain the sinful heart of man. And so what we've, we've seen in our country over the last year is what is intended to restrain humanity, again, law enforcement, removing them so that there's no more any consequences. And, and do we now see human flourishing? No, what do we see? Death and destruction. That's what we see. When you remove the restraints, the, the good and godly restraints, when you remove them from a society, you don't have human flourishing. You have death and destruction. This is why when the police pull out of places like Minneapolis and Portland, you don't see people getting together singing kumbaya and planting gardens. But what do you see? The cities burning. Hell unleashed. Death and destruction. Lawlessness is not freedom. Lawlessness is actually bondage to Satan. Jesus answered them, John 8, 34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. For us as Destiny Church, this is one of the most important verses for us as a church because this is the verse that our founder, Leonard Coote, was reading in his Bible that God used to convert him. Our founder was a man who didn't believe in God, didn't believe the Bible, who was antagonistic and, and even um, atheist in his expression against God in the Bible, attacked God in the Bible, was challenged to read the Word of God by a Baptist missionary. Thank God for Baptist missionaries. And he gets all the way, starts in Genesis, gets all the way to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. And God uses this verse to save our founder. If, if it weren't for this verse in the Bible, Destiny Church wouldn't exist today. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? When Leonard Coote read that verse, the conviction of the Holy Spirit fell on him. In, in that moment, he saw himself for who he really was. The Bible tells us that a word, the Word of God is like a mirror. It shows us who we are. And when he read that verse, he fell on the floor, he fell on his face, he cried out to Jesus Christ to save him because he understood in that moment his eyes were opened. And he saw who he was. Listen, humanity, because of sin, we are not basically good. This is another lie that is told every single day, taught to our children, indoctrinated, that humanity at its core is basically good. It's not true. The Bible declares to us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Humanity is born in sin because of Adam. We have iniquity within us, the desires of the flesh. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, they led the whole human race in rebellion against God. We are born in sin. We are born spiritually dead. We are born not wanting to live for God and under God's rule and authority, but to rebel against God and God's rule and authority. The heart of man, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Humanity is not basically good. This is why God, when he led his people out of Egypt, before he could lead them into the promised land, he had given them external freedom from Egypt. But before they could move into the promised land, they had to have the internal freedom that comes from God's law. 
They, they needed the restraints upon their wicked hearts. And so God gives them his law. And so through the law of God, we see what is good. We see what is evil. And by saying no to what is evil, it sets men free to say yes to what is good. By saying no to what is evil, the law of God showing us what is evil. It sets us free to say yes to what is good. You see, when the sin nature inside of humanity is unrestrained, is unrestrained, it leads to death and destruction every single time. But when the sin nature in humanity is restrained, either by the Spirit of God, which is alive inside of us who believe, amen, our flesh restrained by the Holy Spirit, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when, when the sin nature is restrained either by means of the Holy Spirit in a person's life or by means of good, righteous laws, it allows for humanity to flourish and to produce the blessing of God in a nation. What made America great was that our laws were based on God's laws. Amen. Though there were believers and unbelievers, the sin nature in man must be restrained, either by the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer or by righteous laws in a land. That is what made America great. That is what produced the blessing of God in this nation was that our laws were based on God's law. Our system of justice was based on God's justice. And the further that America rebels against God's law, the further we will decline into anarchy, debauchery, and death. If you truly want to make America great again, it won't be by putting your faith in a politician. It will only be by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. If America is to truly be great again, it won't be by electing the right person, but it will be by falling on our faces before God in repentance and humbling ourselves and asking God to forgive us of our sin and our rebellion. America today lives in open rebellion against God. The blood of children flowing in our streets. The sin of Sodom celebrated openly. The only hope for America is for a sovereign move of God that would produce repentance, brokenness, that is the only hope for this nation. It, it won't come about by just electing the right people. It's only when the hearts of the people are changed, are broken, that then we will elect people who will make our laws reflect God's law. Amen. That is the only hope for this country. For the Christian, the born again, those who are truly born again, those who are filled with the Spirit of God, we don't need the law to tell us that it's wrong to murder people. Right? Well, we don't need the law to tell us that it's not right to steal, that it's wrong to lie, that we shouldn't live in sexual immorality. We, we have the Spirit of God in us. But the vast majority of the people in this nation do not have the Spirit of God in them. And so we need righteous laws to restrain the sinful heart of humanity. Otherwise, and, and, and unless God intervenes, unless God intervenes, 
unless God intervenes. There's no turning back from the course that we are on. And so we need to pray. We need to pray. Just like God heard the children of Israel in Egypt crying out to him. We as God's people, we must pray. We must pray. We must cry out to God and ask him to save us. And we must get about the business of the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel and making disciples. I don't think I have time for Galatians 5 today. There's two people saying go, and the rest are are you're nodding your head saying no, you don't have time. Go read Galatians 5 this week. I want to read one passage. I want to, I want to read again that, that verse from uh, Galatians 5, 5, 5.13. I'd encourage you to really spend some time meditating on this whole chapter this week. Realizing that true freedom, again, is not the absence of any restraints, but true freedom is the ability to live under God's Righteous law. Galatians 5.13 For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is what I was saying. As believers, if we truly follow the leading of the Spirit, if we truly follow uh, the, 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 the teaching that we would love our neighbor as ourself, we won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. We won't walk in sin. The Spirit will not lead us in that way. If we feed our spirits instead of feeding our flesh, we will become spiritually strong and not led astray into temptation. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh, which we all have, are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For, those who are po- for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. God's given you the Holy Spirit to keep you from fulfilling and living out the desires of the flesh. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Why? Because the Spirit leads us into freedom. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry i got to take a deep breath for this. There's a lot of works of the flesh. uh, Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And then because Paul's list is getting long and he doesn't want to keep going, he just says, and things like these. So just in case I didn't list it for you, here's a big blanket term, a big bucket, stuff like this, okay? These are the works of the flesh. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We're going to take communion here in just a moment. Communion's a reminder of the death of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus. It's a reminder that we have crucified the flesh and its passions to be led by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another another. 
envying one another. Listen, true freedom is not the absence of law and living under God's law. True freedom is the ability to live under God's righteous law. And for the Christian, we have been given the Spirit of God which empowers us, enables us to live in the Spirit, to not fulfill the desires of the flesh. He says that, that the, the, the law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This is what the grace of God empowers us to do. It's totally upside down, upside down from the way of the world. It's totally upside down from, from the way the world thinks and operates. The world says you will find freedom by pursuing the desires of the flesh, what God declares as sin. It's not true. You will only find bondage there. The gospel declares that to us clearly. Instead of being free to indulge our flesh, we are now free to live by the Spirit, loving and serving others. Amen. This is true freedom. This is true freedom. We see this in the life of Jesus, the true man of freedom. True freedom is being able to love others when you are being hated. That's true freedom. That's freedom. To not be bound to the world system that says, if you hate me, I hate you. But to return good for evil. True freedom, being able to love when you are hated. True freedom is being able to bless when you are cursed. True freedom is being able to forgive when you have been wronged. True freedom is being able to humble yourself when others are being proud. True freedom is being able to serve those who can never repay you. And only Jesus Christ can truly set you free. Only Jesus can make you truly free. Truly free. That's why the pastor who had his church taken away from him in communist China and is in shackles today in that prison. It's why he is more free than the people who run in the streets today burning buildings. He is more free because if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Do you, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's why that pastor in shackles can pray for the men who are torturing him. That's freedom. And those running in the streets today trying to get vengeance on people for crimes committed hundreds of years ago, not even against them. That's bondage. That's bondage. The freedom that we have is, is not only expressed whether or not we are bound and in chains. Paul writing from prison to Timothy, his last letter, 2 Timothy, he says, I may be bound in chains, but the word of God is not bound. He's saying, even though I'm bound in chains here, I am truly free. I am truly free. Only Jesus can truly set you free. Set you free from having to live out of your flesh, from following the desires of the sin nature, being adopted into God's family as sons, living under his rule, living under his roof, not as a slave, but as a son. No longer slaves to Satan and slaves to sin. We are now sons and daughters of God, brought into God's family through the grace of God, unmerited favor in the blood of Jesus. We do not live under God's law to earn God's love 
We live under God's law because we have been transformed by God's love. The legalist says you must do this in order to earn God's love. The gospel says you have been loved by God. Walk in the way of life. Walk in your freedom. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set those at liberty who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today is the day of the Lord's favor. God may be calling you today. You may be a person who has not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ. You may still be bound to Satan's sin, darkness, and ultimately hell. Jesus Christ came to set you free. And I'm here today to proclaim to you the year of the Lord's favor. God is showing you favor today in the face of his son, Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin. Repent of your sin. Put your faith in the only hope of salvation that you have, the Lord Jesus Christ. He shed his blood to pay the price for your sin. He rose on the third day to give life to you. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning over every principality, power, and spiritual force. The moment you call out to him in faith is the moment that your record of wrongs, your record of sin is washed clean. Your debt of sin paid in full at the foot of the cross. And you are now truly set free to live for God. Amen. So put your faith in Christ today and see how he will set you free. Father, we thank you for your word. It is the truth. In a world today that is so full of lies, deceit, and deception, what an anchor to our soul your word, our, your word is to our souls. It is the truth that anchors us, the foundation for our lives. Lord, help us by the power of your spirit to not live in the flesh, but to walk according to the spirit. Lord, remind us to pray, to cry out to you. Lord, right now we cry out to you as your people. Lord, that you would save souls, that you would save sinners, that there would be a great revival in our land of people who call out to you, who fall under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, who would repent of their sin, repent of their rebellion against you. Lord, that we as a nation would turn from our rebellion and that we would turn back to you, our creator. Lord, we repent even as a church where we've allowed the ways of the world and the thinking of the world and the lies of the enemy to come in and to infiltrate. We repent of sin. We repent of the way that we've strayed from your word or we've walked in the flesh. Lord, we come again now to the table asking for your forgiveness, asking for that renewed fellowship asking for you to lead us by your spirit that we would live for you in freedom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.